0: Hello and welcome to the Calmer You podcast. This is the place to be to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. And this is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. I am a coach and a hypnotherapist and the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. Today, I'm so lucky to get to speak to Marianne Power, who is the author of the brilliant book Help Me, which is her experience of reading a different self-help book every day for a year and putting things into practice and seeing what the results were for her. And this book is firstly very very funny and secondly very helpful, comforting, inspiring, reassuring. There are practical aspects in there as well. I really think you're going to love it. And so myself and Marianne talk about facing your fears and Marianne really has faced a lot of fears and she shares some of the incredible things that she's done through the course of, you know, writing this book and I think it's quite amazing. I'm very, very in awe of her. We talk about the things that Marianne has found the most and also the least helpful from all the things that she's tried on her self-help journey. We also get into how to handle a fear of public speaking. So many of us struggle with this and Marianne shares really beautifully about her experience of that and what she's doing to overcome it and she just gives some really reassuring lovely comforting words of advice to people who are struggling with anxiety and depression and this podcast I hope is going to feel like a big hug and a reassuring message that you are actually okay And, you know, you're not as bad as you think you are, basically. In fact, you're wonderful. So I really hope you're going to enjoy this episode. If you're looking to become a more confident version of yourself in 2020, then I want to invite you to come on over to my website and join me in the upcoming Confidence Challenge, where every day I'll be sending you free resources, and invites to connect with our community to grow your confidence in five days in very, very simple, simple and fun steps and with simple and fun exercises. So you can join us. We're going to be starting soon over at karmau.com forward slash confidence. So let's get into the interview with Marianne Power. Welcome, Marianne. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to speak to you. Can you tell us what it is that you do and what basically how you got to where you
1: are today. So I'm a writer and I, my first book, Help Me, came out, I think, a year ago. Yeah, September 2018. And I've spent the last year travelling the world talking about this book. And I got here by two things. I guess being very unhappy <laughs> and starting this project, um, which started life as a blog, with me spending a year reading loads of self-help and following all the advice it could give it gave me to see if it could fix my life um so it's funny how sometimes like your rock bottoms can turn into something quite amazing and before that i was a freelance journalist for years writing for papers and magazines so the writing has always been there amazing Mm.
0: and i loved your book it's really really Funny, <laughs> really hilarious and relatable, yeah. and I related to it a lot because I've read a lot of self-help books and you know been on There's that a lot of us out there. <laughs> I think a lot of people relate. Um, so it's
1: absolutely brilliant. Were, were you? How, when did you get into self-help? Was it quite a
0: new thing, or was it? No, i have always been into
1: it. I was in my early twenties and I just finished university and I was in a job I hated and i was in all bar one and oxford circus (laughs) drinking cheap white wine and you know complaining about my life and a friend gave me i was probably about 23 a a copy of feel the fear and do it anyway by susan jeffers and i was really snooty about it i did english lit at university and i like to think you know i wouldn't read cheesy books like that and she gave it to me and said it'll just make you want to do things read it And I went home and just gulped it. I loved it so much. It was so exhilarating and positive and that kind of can-do voice, which was the opposite to my own voice. And yeah, after that, then I was hooked. I was reading them secretly constantly. (laughs) I didn't tell my friends about it, but I was. And I remember in the early stages being very embarrassed going into bookshops and buying self-help books and now that embarrassment has gone it seems to have become much more mainstream and acceptable to kind of admit I don't know what I'm doing and I'm looking for some advice. I think
0: self-help has become so much more popular hasn't it and I don't I'm detached from it to be honest because I'm so in that world that I have no idea whether there still are people that think it's embarrassing to read self-help but yeah I think it's definitely become trendy now yeah to to be into that
1: yeah there's there's so much more openness about anxiety and depression and things that for years I'm 42 now for years in my 20s and even in my 30s I felt it was a total personal failure that I wasn't happy and I was mortified to admit to being depressed I just thought it was a, a personal failure and now like within the last few years we seem to have come into a really different climate where people are talking about it and we realise that it doesn't matter what it looks like on Instagram, people are not leading these perfect lives. I used to really think other people had it sorted and I was the only weirdo who wasn't sleeping and was anxious. And, and of course, so many of us are like that. Once you start being honest yourself, then everyone can go, oh, me too. And it's such a relief.
0: Thank you so much for saying that, because I definitely relate to that as well. This thing of, I remember you know experiencing a lot of social anxiety and that thing of like what is wrong with me like why can't I just be normal and and the shame that comes along with so many of these mental health issues that that we've done something wrong or if we could try harder or why you know why are we like this we're broken all these things and actually yeah it's such a relief that people are talking about it more and I think we need to talk about it even more than we are now and really get that message home because still for so many people they're in that sense of
1: yeah shame, and... and it's horrible once you're in it because at the moment I'm in quite a good patch and so I can look at things with a sense of perspective and but when you're actually in that black hole either of depression or anxiety and or if you're in a job you hate and there's it's so overwhelming isn't it and all you all I could see was people around me functioning you know perfectly and and I wasn't and now now that I'm in quite a good place now I can look more rationally and go everyone's struggling. Um, but when you're struggling yourself, it's very hard to remember that. Um, and part of the thing with the book that I've written about what I learned through all these self-help books, the huge learning that I come to at the end is that just nobody has it together. It doesn't matter what it looks like and that we're all just trying our best and we're all going to have good days and bad days and also to try. And this is what's hard sometimes, excuse me, <clears throat> to try and treat it all with a little bit of lightness so the humor in the book is really important because you know humans we're a bit ridiculous really aren't we we make things so hard and it's yeah so I try try to remember to laugh at myself along the way.
0: I think that's one of the things that I'm really taking away from the book the 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 sense of if you can sort of step back from things and just connect to that sense of humor. Yeah. You know, you can see the funny side of the even the dark thoughts that we have, yeah. or the th- the things that seem so
1: sort of embarrassing at the time. Yeah, actually... they're funny. If you can own those stories, yeah. they're so brilliant. That yeah, the embarrassing stuff that you would just rather, you know, just never set foot in the world again. Rather, um, like people, my friend talks about this that you know when you in the when she remembers the teenage school discos and trying to chat up a guy. She said that after, you know, the feeling of embarrassment and cringiness when you've been rejected, you know, meant that she went home. and I'm never leaving the house again, ever. (laughs) But that's what makes you human. And if you can somehow face those feelings of embarrassment and laugh about them and say them out loud, it's actually such a bonding thing, isn't it? Because we've all had those moments where you've done an interview and you've said the worst thing or you've just been brutally rejected by someone. And it's horrible. But if you can say them out loud... To someone who deserves to hear it, as Brene Brown says she says, you must confide in someone who deserves to hear it, not not with everyone um and then you can just laugh and laughs quite laughter's quite healing, isn't it? It puts everything a little bit makes it a little bit smaller rather than a massive thing
0: totally and I think in in your book, it just gives us permission to laugh at our own yeah. kind of rejections, and you know a few of the rejections that I've had in my life are kind of just like like passing through my mind now I'm just... <laughs> I have to remember to laugh at those um you have touched on this slightly but one question I like to ask people is how are
1: you really so really right now I'm so content which is quite rare <laughs> I the um the promotion for the book over the last year was big and quite it was exciting but also quite overwhelming i was traveling a lot and being interviewed on tv and radio and just it's very odd to be asked so many questions about yourself and in such a public way but that publicity schedule sort of quietened down for the summer and i took most of the summer off i just did nothing this summer and rested so much so right now i'm feeling quite serene and rested i feel like i've got so much sleep in my system and um yeah, it's lovely. So I'm appreciating it. I'm, instead of trying to find things that I should be worrying about that I'm not worrying about, I'm actually just enjoying this period of just nothing, nothing's, nothing's to worry about at the moment. So yeah, that's, that's such a good it's feeling. It's rare. So that's not a fake answer because I would normally, I would normally find it much easier to go into the everything that's wrong. But really, right now my life is quite, quite blessed.
0: Yeah, that's such a good feeling to, to know that there's nothing to worry about and so often we do give ourselves things to worry about and I notice it myself my brain I was thinking the other day like everything's like really good like surely <laughs> there's something to be concerned about it's like no just yeah just enjoy. let it be
1: but yeah. I think that's meant to be a kind of survival a part of our evolution isn't it that we're always scanning for problems because that's what kept us alive so that's you know part of our system will try and do that um so yeah at
0: least the anxious people will
1: would have survived <laughs> yeah but it's true
0: yeah 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 definitely can we talk about facing fears yeah and you talk about quite a few things that you have done to face your fears what, what's What been your experience can you share a little bit about yeah what you've done to face your fears
1: so as part of my self-help project, I picked a different self-help book each month and for a year, did everything they told me to do. And the plan was that by the end of the year, I would be this perfect person who would have eradicated all my flaws. <laughs> all, you know, I wanted to be like one of those shiny magazine people that you read about that, you know, they get up at 5am to meditate and do yoga before running their multi-million pound business and have their hot husband. And that's what I was aiming for, um, which, spoiler alert, doesn't happen at all. But the first book I followed was Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway because it was the first self-help book I ever read. And also because its rule is very simple that you have to do one scary thing a day. And when I started the project, I didn't want it to be a kind of a a navel-gazing exercise. I really wanted to kind of go out in the world in a different way. Um, so in that month, I basically did more scary things than I've done in my entire life. I did stand-up comedy, naked modelling for an art class I jumped out of a plane did public speaking and then terrifyingly opened my bank statements (laughs) (laughs) things so I did small things that I normally put off like opening bank statements parallel parking answering the phone I still am really nervous around the phone especially if it's a number I don't know I I always think I'm about to be in trouble Um, So I would answer the phone. And then the big things, which for me, the most frightening thing I could think of doing was stand-up comedy. Like, I find it even stressful watching the professionals do it. That's got to be up there for a lot of people, I think. It was the most terrifying thing. And I did it. I went to um, a kind of a course, a weekend course, where um, you get taught by a comedian. It was a group of us. And then we did a set in the open mic night in a pub on a Sunday night. And... I can't believe it, but it actually went well. People laughed and I came off stage just completely stunned. And in that minute, it was like I had to recalibrate who I was because the fact that I had done something like that, and not only had I done it, it had gone quite well, it completely changed my perception of myself because at that point I got nervous speaking in meetings. And as a journalist, I'd been invited to sometimes go on radio to talk about articles. I always said no, anything that involved speaking you know like something like this I would have totally said no to so the fact that I then did an open mic night in a pub and it went well yeah it was fantastic very stressful I sweated a lot (laughs) And, and it was a real a real definitive moment in my life and even now I'm asked to do a lot of public speaking and I'm doing a TEDx this weekend which I'm you know slowly getting nervous about but Uh, Compared to stand-up comedy, very few things can now (laughs) properly get me. Because stand-up comedy to me was, yeah. And I also chatted up a man on the Northern Line. I love that part of the My flatmate gave me that suggestion because anything to do with men and dating um, was not my strong point. I was so, so underconfident. And she was like, you should chat up a man on the tube. And I was like, ha-ha, as if. And she said, no, you should. It needs to be the rush hour. So that's what I did. Um, And I learnt that embarrassment doesn't kill you. It's kind of, it's icky at the time. And then quite quickly afterwards, there's this feeling of euphoria. Even if things don't go that well, just to have the courage to have done something. It's, it really, it's really its own reward, actually, no matter how the thing goes. Just to, just to be that brave for a few minutes. Yeah. That's so
0: inspiring. I, um... I often talk about how it's so easy to think that other people don't feel scared when it's they're doing not something. True. Yeah. They do. They, they do. do. You just can't necessarily tell from looking at them or you just don't know what's going on Absolutely. inside another person.
1: And that's what um Susan Jeffers who wrote Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway says. She says that when you see, you know, successful, amazing people who are out there like climbing mountains and starting businesses or going up and asking people out, we think they're different to us. They're just made differently to us. And she says that's not true. The only difference is that they don't let fear stop them. Every single day they will, because we all will feel fear about doing something new, even if that's parallel parking. If anything you do new is going to give you that feeling in your tummy of like, oh God, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And that's a survival technique too, because your system is kind of always going, are you sure you need to do this thing? Because We don't quite know how it's going to work out. But then once you do it, even if it bombs, there's this energy that gets into your body of like, God, life is different in this minute. I'm a different person. And I think for a lot of us and for me too, a lot of the depression came from this feeling of being stuck. I'd put myself in a prison really of my own insecurities and anxieties. And when you do new things, it it wakes you up. It's, yeah, it's I recommend it, and also then you can laugh when it goes really badly, you know. And this, the chatting up the guy on the Northern Line did not go well, but then I was going to dinner, you know, dinner with friends afterwards, and I just blurted it all out, and we had the best night because everyone found it so funny, and but they thought I was amazing, and you know that night wasn't that whole how's work fine. It was a proper in, like engaged conversation of like, oh my god, um, yeah. I, so it makes no life interest.
0: interesting. I love that. I love that. It's really inspiring. I. I would love to do stand up comedy. I would think I might make that as something to do next year. (laughs) I like the idea of going on a course
1: first, so at least you're a little bit equipped and you're not just like, come on.
0: Um, Yeah.
1: No, totally. And it's, I think it's, it's good training for everything, for public speaking, for communication, because with conf- like making jokes, you have to really whittle down your words. So it's just a good discipline for loads of things. And I've met a professor, she's a scientist, who did a year-long stand-up comedy course because she wanted to make her lectures better, not because she wanted to be a comic or she even thought she was that funny, but there's something about the people that can use humour and know how to deliver a line. That's a skill that you can apply to everything.
0: And what you said about upgrading your identity, yeah. I think that's such an important point for people that actually it can t- take one decision in a moment to actually go for something, to strike up the conversation or you know sign up for the course. And actually you do that and then things within you start to change yeah. and come into alignment with that yeah. new identity of someone that yes. does stand-up
1: comedy. Yeah, I know. And mm. I still can't believe it. And But it's, yes, I'm now somebody who does public speaking, which would have been incomprehensible to me not so long ago but yeah once you do things a few times then it becomes like yes this is part of what I do now um
0: yeah brilliant brilliant This podcast is sponsored by Blinkist. In today's age, it can be hard to find even a brief moment to disconnect and learn something new. It's not easy with everyone and everything competing for your time and attention. And so you might think that you don't even have time to read a book. And I know that I've been there as well. If this sounds familiar, there's an app that I really want to recommend to you. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is an app that condenses best-selling non-fiction books down to their key takeaways for you to read or listen to in 15 minutes. Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to understand the main points of a book quickly without having to read the whole thing cover to cover. You can easily fit in several titles a day and if you're on the go you can just switch the audio version. 12 million people are already using Blinkist to deepen their knowledge in 27 categories of non-fiction. Everything from self improvement improvement, personal growth, leadership, mindfulness, and happiness. I like Blinkist because I love learning and improving my mindset while I'm on the move. I love to read it while I'm on the bus or listen to it at the gym or when I'm cooking dinner. I just listened to Michelle Obama's Becoming and it was brilliant. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for Karma Use audience. So if you head to Blinkist.com, Forward slash Karma U, you can start your free seven day trial and you'll get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership. That's Blinkist spelled B L I N K I S T dot com forward slash Karma U to get 25% off and a seven day free trial. Blinkist com forward slash Karma U.
1: Has your relationship to self help changed? Yes. So I used to read self-help from this place of desperation. I hoped that every book would be the answer to, you know, to fix me, um, and, and invariably they, weren't, they didn't fix me, but that was for two reasons, because I never did anything they told me to do. I would read them and fantasize about how great life would be if I got up at 5am and if I meditated and if I repeated positive affirmations, but I never did any of that stuff. So they never worked and it became like, almost like eating chocolate cake, reading self-help was my comfort where I would fantasize about changing and never actually do it. And with this project then that flipped on the head and I actually did do everything and things did change and I'm really proud of lots of the changes, but I also realized that what I was looking for was just fundamentally flawed. Nobody is perfect. I was really trying hard to be a perfect person and I thought then I would be okay if I could just fix my flaws and try harder and be better um and I just really no, it doesn't work that way so I did all these extraordinary things and about 10 months in had a breakdown because I felt like the biggest failure of my life because I wasn't perfect yet and you know I wanted to wake up every day feeling like Buddha and Beyonce and I wasn't I was a mess um And so now I'm aware that that is the danger with self-help, that we can be coming at it from almost like an addictive place of this is the answer, this is the answer, this is the answer. And I love self-help. I think there's such wisdom in the books and they can be a really great way to help you understand yourself and understand life. But I would love for all of us to realise a lot more that we're already okay the way we are. You know, if most of us wake up in the morning and try our best to be decent human beings and... Be good to our friends and family you know we're already okay um so yeah i used to think i was broken and that i needed fixing and i now realize i was never broken and i didn't need fixing and neither do any of us we're all humans doing our best and if self-help helps that's lovely but if it becomes an extra thing to beat yourself up over i'm you know i'm not journaling every day or it can it can be an extra pressure that we put on ourselves this you know the bar gets higher and higher and higher about what we should be doing and yeah I think most of the time what we need more than anything is to relax and give ourselves a break not to give us 10 extra things we need to do in the morning you know those sort of books that tell you the 20 things you should be doing before breakfast in order (laughs) (laughs) I'm less into those books these days.
0: Yeah I totally resonate with that idea that it can be a pressure yeah and this idea of perfect I'm sure so many people listening to this have perfectionist tendencies as well and and you know, especially if you, you really try with something and yeah. then you don't you're not you don't become perfect, um which is
1: impossible. It's impossible then. Then we're gonna feel like we're letting ourselves down. But is, actually we're striving okay. for this thing that's impossible. And that's just such a shame. <laughs> Let's not <Yeah>. do that. <laughs> it's lovely to learn and grow and I'm so grateful for all the things that I did and but I was already a good person at the start, whereas I didn't think that. I thought like all I could see was everything that was wrong with me. And my best friend at the 10-month point when I was really falling apart said, I just want you to get to the end of this and realise that people love you the way you are. You know, you don't need to jump off planes or run on burning coals, which is another thing I did, you know, to be good enough. You are. And I thought she was crazy because all I could see was my perceived failings. And then by the end, thank God, I got to the place where... I realised, yeah, I'm not perfect. I'm really shit with money and I sleep a lot, (laughs) but I'm good too. I'm a good friend and I can laugh at things and, you know, just, yeah, I'm much more accepting of myself. So ultimately it came to a place where I didn't have to change myself. I had to accept myself. And then funnily enough, once you start to accept yourself, changes happen in a much more gentle way anyway, because you just say yes to certain things and you have lovely moments of flow, which seem to happen to me a lot more now that things are just sort of flowing as they're meant to without me trying so hard to make things happen. That idea of when you accept yourself, things change.
0: They do, don't they, though? It's such a interesting one. And we never think that that's going to be the way it is. We yes. think we need to strive and push yep. and pressure ourselves and that we need to hate ourselves enough. Hate ourselves better. And it hates ourselves work. into loving ourselves. Yeah, you can't. And actually, yeah, Yeah. yeah, self-acceptance comes first and things change more easily. Yeah. Thank you for that reminder. Such a good one. Um, What have been some of the most helpful self-help things that
1: you've come across in your experiences? So the, the do one scary thing a day, I think, is a really good rule. And it can just be tiny. It can be smiling at someone in a coffee shop that you wouldn't normally have the courage to smile to or asking to leave work a bit earlier than normal, like a small things, I do think that's a good discipline and it's one that I've lost and I need to get more into it. Um, just that little tiny things every day. And um, the two other, two other books that I really loved and that are in my head almost every day, The Power of Now um, by Eckhart Tolle. And he, he talks about when you see people walking down the street talking to themselves, we think they're mad But actually we're all talking to ourselves all the time we all have this voice in our head that's really often criticizing and it's criticizing why did i do that yesterday or last year and it's worrying about what's going to happen in the future and he says that this voice you know it, it drives us crazy and it stops us from enjoying the only thing which is ever real which is what's happening right now this second and he has this question that i ask myself a lot he says that we should always ask ourselves, do I have a problem right now, this minute? And the answer is almost always no. You know, so right now we're having this lovely conversation. We're in a safe room. It's the, every, Right now there is no problem. But my head could be worrying about the TED talk and worrying about whatever else is coming up. And so I try to do that every day. Do I have a problem right now, this second? No. Breathe. <laughs> Breathe. <laughs> I also notice I stop breathing when I get stressed. Okay. Um And then the other one is is Brené Brown, who um, wrote Daring Greatly and did a a big TED Talk that I'm sure most of your listeners will know. And she talks very much about this fact that none of us, none of us is perfect. And she says she doesn't like the term self-help because she doesn't think we're meant to do it on our own. We're meant to help each other. And she said the biggest healing is connection and talking honestly to someone about what you're feeling and... That's something that doesn't come naturally to me. I'm quite a independent person who's probably proud and also I don't want to bother people. They're too busy. But that's something I'm working on and that I'm trying more when I'm feeling insecure about something or worrying about something instead of isolating myself and getting lost in my head, which is my natural tendency to pick up the phone or say, can we meet for a cup of tea? Just contact. And I think that in this world of... Facebook and phones and Netflix and remote working, it seems like that basic human contact. We have to put a lot more conscious effort into making it happen. It used to be that it was just natural part of life. I don't feel like it is so much, especially for us freelancers who work at home. So that's something, you know, you can't do it on your own. You need we need each other. So that's something also that I'm trying to build into my life and acknowledge and again I would have thought that was a failure before I thought it was up to me to fix everything but actually it doesn't work we help each other
0: I love that <clears throat> I think that's so important that the community aspect of things yeah and so much of our culture make, makes it out like we should just sort ourselves no, out and, and it does we can't and that sort of thing but yeah. actually we are, yeah we need our people and our community and our families and yeah it's so easy well I again I, I relate to what you're saying yeah. um, about you know keeping things to myself and how it's easy just to be like wow well, just get my head down I'll yeah. get through
1: this exactly stressful
0: period you know oh other people are busy with their own lives but actually just having that conversation yeah and yeah. reaching out and don't don't just yeah keep it to yourself it,
1: yeah because that, that in my experience has made me sick and depressed and burnt out because that keeping it to yourself and soldiering on and soldiering on, it's it's not it it doesn't doesn't tend to help. Whereas just even very early on just acknowledging something's a struggle to someone, sometimes it, it just kind of lightens it all. Just having said it out loud to somebody and have it listened to and you know maybe some suggestions or just being heard most of the time, it's like oh I feel better now. All right, bye. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: it often doesn't take much. No. Um. Ah, oh, yes um what about things that you found least helpful was there anything that you decided this is a waste of time Probably for me <laughs> personally
1: because well and i'm really careful to say that what what works for you mightn't work for me and what the things that didn't work for me at all you know that's it's not to say that they're not really good for somebody else so for me the two things that really just i couldn't get on board with i did a book um about how to talk to your guardian angels And it was a woman called Doreen Virtue, who's got a huge following and has written, I think, 40 plus books on talking to your guardian angels. For me, I just couldn't get on board with it. I couldn't get my head around it. It didn't feel real. But I've been in rooms where thousands of people have been hanging on her every word and it means a lot to them. And quite often these things are just different roads into the, uh, you know, into a similar place in a way, because with angels it is about... um, I think learning to trust in something bigger than just us, and so for some people, angels are a way of feeling that that there's some someone looking after us. Or, and I have those moments, but I get at them in a different way. I probably prefer to think of the universe, or so it's just different approaches. So for me, angels didn't work, and there was another exercise where you had to plan your own funeral which is an exercise in a book called the seven habits of highly effective people which is a self-help classic and world leaders have read it and i think it's still a book that if you go lots on on lots of management training schemes they will give you this book and i'm sure it's a fabulous book but at this point i think it was my 10th book and it was when the wheels were coming off the project and i was asked to plan my own funeral and i just couldn't i you know the The idea about that is that you imagine what you would like all your friends and family to say about you. And then you should spend your life trying to live up to that ideal. You know, it it gives you a life. It it, it helps to make you clear on your life purpose. But I don't know what my life purpose is really at that point. And yeah, I didn't know what I wanted for lunch at most days. So to suddenly imagine what I wanted everyone to say about me, it just it was too much. But again, for some people, they find that exercise really helpful, and so it's just different things for different people. But those two, for me, didn't work.
0: I think I'd be in bits doing that. It's I don't is, think I could. It's an emotional do it. one. You'd have to be in a very
1: good place, I think, to go into that. But then there's, there's a, an alternative exercise that for me was better, where he says to write your own mission statement. So you know what you want to live by now, and. That, for me, actually, strangely, I just sat down in a coffee shop when I was in Dublin and it just poured out of me. And I read it now and it still kind of gives me goosebumps and that I kind of like, yes, that's sort of my true north of how to behave. And it just came very, very easily. So that might be another way around it for people. The mission statement of what matters to you every day? what, How do you want to live your life?
0: That sounds mm. amazing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely recommend people doing that. Um, what about what about the, the hot coals?
1: yes how was that that was, was that a Tony Robbins it? event have you done a Tony Robbins <gasps> I event I haven't
0: I've seen it on Netflix he's got a Netflix yes,
1: documentary yes
0: he does I'm not your guru oh yeah so, so t- how I feel
1: about him totally but so Tony Robbins is this kind of like self-improvement god who's like six foot seven and he looks like something out of Mills and Boone and he does these big events around the world and the one I went to is in the Excel Centre in East London and there's 7,000 people and he whips you up into such a like he calls it a peak state where you feel like you can do anything and one of the things he asks you to do is run across a lane of burning coals and so that's what seven of us did in this car park of the excel center with like the travel lodge light <laughs> glinting and the, the distance it was surreal Wow. it was surreal surreal and people were banging drums and it all felt quite tribal and um and i was nervous for a second but he'd it I guess this is almost like programming. We've been programmed to do it all day, all day, all day. And then I did it, and we all did it. And it was almost underwhelming how easy it was. It was just like, boom, you're at the other end before you even knew it. And yeah, that's it. So the idea is that it represents overcoming your fears. You know, if you can walk on fire, then you can do anything. But I think scientists will argue that actually coal is quite a slow conductor of heat, which is why by the time <laughs> you move your foot, it's, you know, you will, if as long as you keep moving, you're not going to get burnt. But even if that's the case, it's more the psychological leap it takes to even try it. Um, shows, I, to me anyway, it showed that I really, again, I'm capable of doing more than I would normally let myself do. Um, yeah, Tony Robbins is a... He's a high energy, high, you know, performance kind of you can do it, take massive action guy. And when I was at the event, I was completely I fell for him hook, line and sinker like he was my guru. I could totally see why people ran away and joined cults because I would have done anything Tony asked me to do. <laughs> and so then with a bit of distance, I look back on that now and go, uh, I don't know how realistic that is. You know, on the final day, you're given all these lectures about you know cutting out sugar and caffeine and various things and then the people next to me while listening to this lecture were eating mars bars so it kind of human nature i i couldn't live up to tony's ideals of how to live life every day and i'm not sure how many people can maybe lots maybe people can but for me it wasn't a realistic sustainable approach it's interesting that thing about getting into a, a
0: high what do you call it a high A peak state peak he calls state. it a peak state about how um You know, perhaps I wonder if we can, you know, take that as inspiration to to get ourselves into a different state. I know that Tony does. He gets into an ice bath. He does at home and he does like jumping jacks first thing in the morning and like different breathing exercises and, and different ways to get yourself into this heightened state so that you have that sense of
1: like, oh, I can do anything. And no, and lots of those tips are really practical. So he was talking about most of us don't breathe properly. You know, right now I'm wearing jeans that are digging into my waistband. And he said, you know, oxygen is our energy. If you're not breathing properly during the day, of course you're tired. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he suggests these, I think, oxygenation breaks, which are basically breathing breaks. And yeah, these breathing exercises. And then also he talks about the posture. Again, I'm sitting here slumped. And when we have that slumped posture, we're sending messages to ourselves that, you know, the world is a bit too much for us. Whereas if you sit straight and up, then again, you're telling your you know your brain, I'm ready for it. So there's lots of very practical tips that I do think are useful. And for, But for me, the ice baths, and that's not going to be something I do every day. But maybe for some people it is. I tried a cold shower and it lasted two and a half seconds, I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did go through a phase of cold showers. Yeah, but then part of me was like, why am I torturing myself? <laughs> did you feel good and tingly afterwards? Um, so? I mean... Maybe there was a slight difference. It wasn't a big <laughs> enough difference to go through the kind of. It wasn't enough reward for the the cost. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah.
1: Because the Wim Hof thing is really popular now as well. Yes. Have you heard of him? He's also cold showers and ice baths, and yes. I have a friend who's very into it.
0: You can get yourself because I have done a Wim Hof workshop uh, where you? you do yeah, a, you do breath work, so you get quite almost like lightheaded. From yeah, breathing a lot. And then you go and get into this ice bath for like two minutes or something yeah and I felt quite good there because it was with a group yeah and it was this kind of like yes we did it um but and yeah breath work is quite amazing for yeah. getting you into a different state yes and unlocking things yeah and giving you insights so it's a good an interesting combination I think the two of those yeah together mm. can you can you share is there anything that you're struggling
1: with at the moment and how are you overcoming it at the moment, the thing that's sort of t- like at the edge of my brain is the TED talk at the weekend, and I was asked to do this weeks and weeks ago, and because there's been other things going on, I've sort of parked it. And now a couple of nights ago, I started having a dream that I've had the last two nights, where I'm on stage and all my words are gone. You know that kind of kind of that dream. <laughs> oh! <laughs> so um, so this week, this week the challenge will be. To just not let fear take over because the last time i did a really big event um talking to hundreds of people i basically didn't eat for a week i was you know i was so nervous and it went really well but i would like to be able to do these things without it without paying such a price in the run-up and i know that you need a bit of nerves and so this week will be about trying to breathe doing as much practice as i can and then also you know i really hope on saturday that my friend said this to me once that if you just show up with a good heart and let whatever comes out of your mouth come out of your mouth and hope that it will help somebody it's almost like about taking your ego out of it because my ego wants it to be really good and my ego is quite scared of what if what if i do forget my words and it's being recorded and what if i make a mess of it and if all that happens then fine i'll get a lesson in humility <laughs> it's all right So, yeah, this week, the challenge will be to practice as much as I can without becoming a total stress head and remembering that none of it matters that much. It's a lovely opportunity, but no one's going to die either way Um, And to try. Yeah, this is the thing to try and enjoy the opportunities that come your way, because this is what happens with success or with doing these things, these new, you know, taking things up a level. You get these invitations, which are so exciting, but they're also quite scary And what I don't want to do is is have this mindset of, oh, I'll be all right once the talk is done, or I'll be all right once the next book is done, to try and enjoy the process, including the nerves, just to sit with it, Um, because I think also when I wrote the book, I found the writing of the book very hard, and that's a year of my life I won't get back again, that I was really putting myself under such huge pressure for this book to be a certain way, and so... The challenge now is just to try and enjoy the process of it all even when I'm doing things that I might fail at to just enjoy it that's such a good
0: lesson for all of
1: us
0: (laughs) it's so easy just to put off our happiness put off our enjoyment say right I'll just get through this exactly once I've got this once I've done this once this is over
1: then I can relax and then we find the next thing that's looming on the horizon and yeah and also just to enjoy it because I think when I look back when I'm 60 I'll go wow look at that just And it's a shame not to just enjoy the experiences as much as you humanly can. Totally, totally. Do you have any other bits of
0: advice for people listening who might be struggling with anxiety or with
1: confidence or feeling low? Is there anything else you would share with them? Just, you're not the only one. It doesn't matter how together everyone looks. That's been the biggest response from my book, is that it's... All these years i thought that everyone else had it together and i was a mess but of course like my friends were looking at me thinking i had it together because i was really successful in loads of ways as a journalist but i always was just absolutely anxious and every day was going to be the day that the biggest mess was going to happen and but having articulated all these sort of thoughts i have and what was going through my head on a daily basis most people who read it they don't go. Oh, you weirdo! All they say is me too, me too, me too. And the biggest comment I get about the book from men and women is it's like reading someone reporting from the inside of my brain, which just goes to show we are just so much more similar than we think to each other. And yeah, when 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 you're in the grips of that anxiety or depression, or it's horrible, and nothing I say is going to make much of a difference, I don't think. But if there's some little glimmer that can remember you're not the only one, you really aren't most, many of us, not most of us, many of us are walking around really in, in quite a bad state in our in our minds, even if we're looking pretty, even if we're doing a good job, even if we've got the husband and the house. And, you know, people can have it really very well together on lots of ways, but inside that's not how it feels. And also with the book, I was a journalist for years and I got emails from really very successful high up newspaper editors and magazine editors who would be the kind of people whose profiles I would read about talking about how much they related to it and I was like really so yeah just just that you're not alone um and that I hope it gets better (laughs) in some
0: way thank you for that thank you so much for everything that you shared you're welcome
1: thanks for having me
0: where can people find out more about you and buy your book well, the book oh, is called fun. Help
1: Me and it's, um, my name's Marianne Power and yes, you can get the book, I think, in all bookshops and languages. It's in lots of languages in Amazon and... How many languages? I think we're up to 29 languages that's now, amazing. which is crazy. Um, yeah, it's crazy and each each language is a different cover. So I've now got a quite a big bookshelf at home with the, you know, Korean cover and the Taiwanese cover and the Spanish cover and yeah, it's mad. It's really mad and um yeah just you can look me up on instagram and facebook and all the usual marianne power amazing Thank, thank you so you. much thanks a lot thank
0: you so much for listening i really hope that you gained a lot from this episode come on over to instagram and let me know what are you taking from this episode find me at chloe Brotheridge, and i would love it if you would leave me a review in the podcast app or in iTunes subscribe to the podcast leave me a rating and is there someone in your life that would really benefit from this podcast you can let them know by sharing this podcast I'd be so so grateful so I'm just wishing you a wonderful week ahead sending you loads of love hopefully you'll tune in again and I'll see you soon
1: ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well